are tuned into CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news. It's Punch Radio, brought to you by Amazing Stories. And in studio, you have Jody and Dave. Hello, Saskatoon. Hello. And today we have Craig and we have Brennan. We don't have Hank, but I would like to make clear that Hank is not dead, despite what uh, uh, Craig may or may not say in the broadcast. Okay. He's not. I want to reassure everybody, Hank is okay. He'll and be reassuring back. people that everything's going to be okay is part of what we're going to be talking about today. It really is. Uh, Craig is going to talk about the Emmys, because of course that happened this week, and like so much crazy stuff. And the one thing, like I don't really care either about, I don't watch any of those award shows because they're all kind of garbage. They're just an ad for the industry. But to have Better Call Saul shot out, like, the most Ooh. times of any show ever in history, never won once, nominated like 50-some times, didn't win a single award for And it's such an incredible show. That's why we don't watch. They, they, these, these awards things always disappoint. They always leave out something great. They don't know any better than anybody else. They don't. And they obviously know less because that is an awesome, awesome show. Okay. Craig's also going to talk about the new True Detective, the new season that has Jodie Foster in it. I'm super pumped. I really want to see this. Yeah, I, uh, to be continued on that. Yeah, so we will weigh in on that on another day. He's also talking about the movie Monster. And then Brennan is talking about Echo, which is on Disney+. Plus, uh, and this is like a Daredevil spinoff show. So uh, I'm Man, he's really pulling a lot of weight with the superhero he always does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he fills in where we fail to. So thank you, Brennan, for that, for sure. Okay, we are going to talk about... Well, last week, we uh, the boys did their top ten movies of the season. And we talked about Hank's number one. And now we're going to talk about Craig's number one. Because he mentioned it, but he didn't really talk about it very much. Yeah, he might at some point in the future, but we're going to snatch up the opportunity because Craig knows what he's talking about when it comes to movies, for sure. Yes. And so, yeah, when he picked a movie at number one that we hadn't seen, we knew we had to see it right away. And, of course, it turned out to be great. It is the best movie of 2023. I think it is. And it was last night at the Reme they played this. So, and I got to say again, hats off to the Reme. They've been playing a lot of good stuff and things that, you know, maybe we're here for a heartbeat and gone or some older movies that you need to see. So keep those, up the good work. Are those movies free now? Uh, no, you have to pay to see them. But still, that's a place that's screening cool movies in Saskatoon that people might not know about. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Okay. Anatomy of a Fall came out this year, directed by and written by Justine Triette, uh, and also written by Arthur Harari. This stars Sandra Huller, Swan Arland, Milo Mikado Grainer. Uh, he plays the son. Okay, surprise, we saw in the credits, Jenny Beth. She's got a small supporting role in this, and Jenny Beth is the lead singer of one of our favorite bands, Savages. Yeah, one of the best live shows we ever saw. Yeah, amazing. She's got such charisma, and it was a delight to see her. A little distracting at first to like separate her from the character, but she did a good enough job that you just you did forget that she's a rock star. And that, eventually, I did. Yeah, yeah, that she's you know this nice lady. So it's a 
murder mystery, I guess. It's a courtroom drama, primarily. Yeah, we, we don't want to give away much more than the title does, but yeah. it is called Anatomy of a Fall. And, you know, very early in the movie, somebody does fall to their death. And the rest of the movie is just dealing with the... Uh, the fallout from that. Right. Now, there is a significant relationship between the, the young boy, who is played by Milo Mercado Graner, and his dog, Messi. Yeah. And this dog is incredible. Uh, his dog, Snoop. Yes. The, 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 the actor's name. Yeah, the actor's name is Messi. Is Messi. And his character is Snoop. And... He has a mind-blowing scene that is so incredible that he won the Palm Dog. Now, I didn't know that the Cannes Film Festival has a whole category for dogs. Oh, man, he, he deserved it. I'm not even really known as a big dog lover. Yeah. And this scene with this dog had me in pieces. And then only later did I find out through your research that... You know, I mean, I assumed that this dog had to be handled or prepared or maybe even drugged in some way in order to pull off this performance. But when you told me he was just trained to perform this scene, I mean, uh, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Like, what, what happens to a dog that gives this kind of an amazing performance? Does he have like an agent now that can get him cast <laughs> in some super amazing role, like maybe the next Air Bud or something like that? Maybe. He does have a couple of TV series lined up. This is the work of trainer Laura Martin Contini. Incredible. Just amazing. The movie itself won the Palm d'Or. But to have Messi win the Palm Dog, I think, speaks volumes. Now, there are other awards in the Cannes Film Festival for dogs. And I do want to run down some of those winners as well, because I think that those will be leads to maybe some other great movies. So there's a Commended Canine, and that went to Susie in Vincent Must Die what they call the mutt moment, which was the best cameo. And that went to uh, La Chimera. And interestingly enough, La Chimera stars Isabella Rossellini, and she won an award for the dog manitarian for her work. Oh, for like, she, yeah. She does a lot of work to support dogs in the world and yeah. animals in general. She's just an absolute amazing person. Well, those sound like they're probably some fun awards to give. Do they have a ceremony where the dogs get to run up on the stage and accept <laughs> their... I wasn't able to find that out. But there, I did see a picture of uh, Messi on a red carpet, but it looked really photoshopped. So I'm not 100% sure of that. If they give those awards and all they do is show a photo of the dog, then that not is fair. not a good award ceremony. No, they need to do more. Uh, there was also a grand jury prize given to Alma who plays Chaplin in Fallen Leaves. And then a Lifetime Achievement Award was given to a human, director Ken Loach, because he's made a few movies where really uh, delves into the relationships between humans and dogs. Yeah. So that's nice. Well, and, you know, we should tell people that this, scene, this movie is great, but this scene with the dog is—it was disturbing for me, and I'm not even really like—you're not a dog lover. Well, and I'm not even really squeamish that way. 
That's true. You know, you know, I don't like seeing an animal get harmed in a movie any more than anybody else, but I'm not going to make it stop me from watching something. No. But there are people who will. Okay, which brings us to our next topic. We'll mention it, then we'll throw things over, and then we'll, when we have more time, we'll, we'll talk about this. There's a website called DoesTheDogDie.com where you can find out if the dog dies in a movie. So you can know, like, okay, that's not for me. But they've expanded. So there is at least 180 different triggers that you can research to see if, you know, like, I don't want to see something, you know, about an alligator because I just had my leg bit off or whatever. You can research sure. something like that and find out, is this a movie that I should or shouldn't see? Well, let's throw it over and we'll we'll talk about that a little later. Okay, so take it away, fellas. Hey, everybody. It's Craig Sillifan on Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM. And normally I'm joined by my good buddy, Hank Cruz, but uh, he's sick or dying or something. So you and I will have to make do. Now, we're going to talk about uh, some of the big Emmy winners and snubs as well. The new season of True Detective Night Country and a film called Monster that uh, did well at Cannes this year. So the Emmys were on Monday this week. And I have to say, I don't really care that much about the Emmys, though I care more about them maybe than the Golden Globes. I don't know. Neither of them are really uh, super credible awards in my eyes, but they're still interesting to look at. They were designed as a tribute to the medium. This is the 75th Emmys. So uh, a tribute to television featuring reunions from shows like All in the Family, The Sopranos, Cheers. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. But uh, among the evening highlights were Jennifer Coolidge thanking all the evil gays, uh, Niecy Nash Betts thanking herself and every black and brown woman who have gone unheard yet over-policed, and a moving and hilarious appearance by uh, Christina, App- Christina Applegate uh, as the show's first presenter. HBO's succession just a week after the Golden Globes took another final uh, victory lap after the Jesse Armstrong created series ended in May of last year, uh, included some well-deserved wins for Sarah Snook, Kieran Culkin. Uh, What the show didn't really have was a great deal of shocking surprises or upsets, though there were some uh, unexpected wins and definitely some uh, interesting snubs, uh, the biggest of which was Better Call Saul. It is the officially the most snub series of all time. Zero for 53. They were nominated 53 times over the years and did not win. And this is crazy. I mean, it's like one of the best television series of the last 10 years. Uh, I would say even better than Breaking Bad, which it was a spinoff of. A little less exciting. It's a different kind of show, but uh, definitely a better character show. Bob Odenkirk didn't win. He was nominated six times. Rhea Seahorn did not win. She had an exceptional nuanced portrayal as Kim Wexler, Jimmy's friend and later partner and wife. And I will say uh, Kim Wexler, for a time there, was one of the best written women uh, on TV. She It was just an amazing character, really well written and really well played by Rhea Seahorn. Not for the show's uh, superlative writing, not for its directing, nor for its supporting cast. Jonathan Banks is awesome, Giancarlo Esposito, uh, and of course, as I said, not even the show itself, which was nominated seven times since uh, 2015. So I just can't even believe this. This is crazy. But I mean, I guess that's why it's the Emmys and you don't really take it too seriously. Ted Lasso was another show that was surprisingly shut out. No, not as good of a show as Better Call Saul, but sort of heartwarming and entertaining. The 
first two seasons of Ted Lasso were Emmy juggernaut material, won back-to-back awards. Uh, Jason Sudeikis, Brett Goldstein, Hannah Waddingham uh, won in 2021. It's weird because often Emmys pick a show they love and stick with it for several years. Like Modern Family won like five years in a row, which is, again... You know, nothing wrong with that show, but I mean, it's it's not one of the greatest shows on television or anything. The third, though, and likely final season of Ted Lasso was far less well received by critics and audience, uh, and it seems Emmy voters uh, totally shut out this year. So the show did take home two Creative Arts Emmys uh, for Sam Richardson for guest actor in a comedy and for original music and lyrics. In terms of winners, The Bear won all the Emmys. Uh, In place of Ted Lasso, FX's restaurant dramedy The Bear not only won Best Comedy for its freshman season, it won practically everything else. Jeremy Allen White, uh, Ayo Edebiri, Iban Moss Bacharach, uh, directing and writing. Remarkable, uh, considering these awards are ostensibly for a season that first streamed on Hulu all the way back in June 22. Uh, Definitely a show worth watching, though. In Canada, it's on Disney+. Plus. It was just renewed for a third season. And if you haven't seen the show before... It is a show about really working in restaurants, uh, and it really, you feel the anxiety of working in those restaurants as the ticket machine goes crazy, but it also extends to some of the family dynamics and dysfunction. There was a great episode with Jamie Lee Curtis in season two, where it's like a Christmas or Thanksgiving dinner or something like that, and, you know, if you thought the show did anxiety well in the kitchen... You know, wait till it's uh, in the kitchen of the home instead of in the restaurant. Now, another interesting one in the Emmys was last week tonight beating Saturday Night Live. Uh, After a rule tweak, uh, the Television Academy's first winner in the new scripted variety series catalog was John Oliver's Last Week Tonight. So instead of Saturday Night Live beating a black lady sketch show, as it uh, had in, you know, the variety category in recent years, it lost to this topical HBO show, which has destroyed uh, all comers, really, in the variety talk category since 2016. Speaking of uh, shows in that realm, Trevor Noah won for his final season of The Daily Show. Oliver banished uh, from the variety talk category and left it relatively open. Smart Money was on Stephen Colbert, but instead The Daily Show with Trevor Noah won for Noah's final season hosting the series. Uh, his final episode was in December 2022. So when Jon Stewart was host of The Daily Show, it won almost every Emmy it could in its category, except for the time that The Colbert Report won. All of which is to say, sorry to all the people with variety shows who at one point weren't involved with The Daily Show because you're never winning an Emmy. And one other interesting point about the Emmys before we move on, There was a thank you crawl during winner speeches, which was quite interesting. And maybe they should think about using this for some other things. But after a winner would take the Emmy stage and talk for a bit, a very unobtrusive graphic would appear with their official pre-submitted thank you. So this uh, innovation appears to have been invented at the 2016 Academy Awards by uh, producer David Hill. But it removes the anxiety of winners forgetting to name check their coworkers and representation and loved ones uh, and the heads of studios behind their shows, of course. The speeches then could actually function as speeches instead of a series of stammers. So again, I think they should keep doing this on lots of award shows, especially the Oscars. Now, we're going to switch gears a little bit here, well, sort of, to more TV, but new TV. True Detective Night Country dropped this week, and I'm interested to see what uh, Hank will have thought of it, but it's the fourth season of True Detective, anthology crime drama uh, series from HBO. It's set this season, it's an anthology season, so every season's different, but this season is set in the fictional town of Ennis, Alaska, and follows the investigation behind the disappearance of Eight Men from a Research Station stars Jodie Foster and Kaylee Reese as detectives Liv Danvers and Evan 
Evangeline Navarro. The Isa, Isa Lopez is the showrunner. She actually like wrote and and directed all the episodes. This is the first season without uh, Nick Pizzolatto as showrunner, uh, but he still served as executive producer. So when you see this, it's sort of an opposite. I think she wanted to create a dark mirror of the first season where True Detective season one is male and sweaty. Night Country is cold and it's dark and it's female, she said. And in fact, you know, she obviously... she. Credit, credited things like The Thing, Stanley Kubrick's Overlook Hotel, Ridley Scott's Nostromo as inspiration. And once you see that, it will definitely make sense. It's, it's got that, that freezing cold paranoia and claustrophobic vibe. We've only had the one episode so far. There'll be a new one dropping this Sunday. It's getting pretty great reviews, but I think it's too early to say. I didn't mind the first episode. You know, Jodie Foster's great. It's it's a neat, albeit very thing-like, it's it's a neat world they're, they're building. I can't say it grabbed me like Fargo's latest season or even uh, as much as the original season of True Detective, but we'll see where it goes. It's only been one episode. And I also want to quickly talk about a movie called Monster that I saw. It's a 2023 Japanese drama uh, directed by uh, Hiro Kazu Korida from a screenplay by Yuji Sakamoto and it's about a mother who confronts a teacher after noticing disturbing changes in her son's behavior. He's in in grade five. He starts uh, cutting his own hair, coming home with only one shoe and one night uh, he doesn't come home at all and after calling around his mother finds him in an abandoned train tunnel. She begins to suspect her son's teacher, Mr. Hori, is abusing her son and confronts the school about it and from there she's treated coldly by the faculty which uh, culminates in Mr. Horry making a disingenuous apology. Now, I can't say much more without giving more important plot points away. It's a pretty great movie, though. My only question was about the structure. Again, I can't say too much, but first it's from the mom's point of view, then the teachers, then the kids. This works well to create mystery and twists and turns, but in the end, it doesn't always feel like the payoff lines up with the start. It starts like a creepy crime mystery or something, then ends on a much different note. So I didn't hate this. Uh, I think it was a unique take uh, and a way to deal with tropes we've seen before, but I can't can't say it 100% worked either. So it's called Monster, and uh, it uh, had its premiere at the Cannes Film Festival last year. It uh, didn't win the Palm d'Or, but it was honored with the Queer Palm as well as the Best Screenplay Award. So check it out when you find it. It was playing at the Roxy recently. I'm not sure if it's still there. And the last thing I'd say is go to craigsillifant.com. Check out the top 20 albums by our own uh, Dave Scadden. Check out my best and worst movies of the year. And uh, you can also see the video for my top five movies of the year if you go find Punch TV and Radio on Facebook. So uh, that's it for me. i got to throw back to Jody and everybody else, and hopefully Hank is feeling better next week. Hello, Punch listeners. It is Brennan here once again to give you some sound entertainment advice. That's right. Here at Punch Radio, we are here to educate, elucidate, and give you ideas to help make you a better person and change your life. We have a lofty goal here to make your life a better place. Now, the last couple episodes, I spent two entire episodes talking about Aquaman 2. I feel strongly about not going to see it, so I'm hoping after listening to those episodes, you agree with me. But today, I've switched the script, that's right. Today I'm talking about something that I quite enjoy that's brand new that you can go check out right now. That is the brand new Echo series. So Echo right now is on Disney Plus and it's a character that has uh, made its way through the Daredevil universe. Um, For those of you who don't know, Echo is a deaf character who growing up uh, people thought she had learning disabilities, was sent to special schools. Her father was born on the Trail of Tears as uh, the First Nations people at the time were being sent from their original land uh, and having to settle in reservations in Oklahoma. 
Um, he was known as, uh, they called him Crazy Horse, and apparently his wife didn't appreciate his antics and ended up leaving him. He then works for the Kingpin, um, double-crosses the Kingpin, is killed by the Kingpin. However, before he is killed, the Kingpin promises to raise his daughter as his own. Uh, turns out she has special abilities. She can mimic anything she sees, much like Taskmaster. She can watch people fighting, uh, copy their skills, and she becomes a skilled fighter. To the point, she actually mimics how people say words, and she learns how to speak. Now, the Echo series diverts a bit from this origin story. The mother does pass away. Now, keep in mind, this is in the first episode, in the first 10 minutes, so it's not really a spoiler. And the father does go work for Kingpin. That much is the same. Uh, in Hawkeye, it actually shows Echo uh, shooting Kingpin. That's also like the comic. Of course, Kingpin doesn't die. Also happens in the comic. But, of course, they're not going to kill off Vincent D'Onofrio uh, as the kingpin because he's awesome. He's, the, he's great. I love him. So what I like, and I just realized I spent way too much time talking about that, so I need to talk even faster. What I like about Echo series is that the main character, Echo, is a deaf person who speaks through ASL as well as some pre-colonization signs. And everyone in her family does as well. So they don't do the trick where they could have said, oh, she learned how to lip read. She doesn't represent herself as someone who's deaf in a speaking world. She is deaf, and that's the way she lives. Uh, all her family, all her friends uh, speak to her through signs. Uh, all the actors took ASL classes. And I love how they represent being a deaf person in a hearing world. So, for example, when she's at home, someone rings the doorbell, and a light flashes in her room, and it's labeled uh, door, I think, or here. As someone who has worked with deaf students, I've worked with assistants that work with deaf people. I have had family friends that had deaf kids. I had a friend whose parents were deaf. And how they represent what it's like being in a speaking world really resonates throughout the show. The, the thing with the light, uh, a friend of mine, his parents were both, they were born deaf. Uh, they actually met at the uh, Saskatoon Deaf School when that was here. And they raised three boys, all were hearing. And we would jam in their basement you know, our guitars turned up super loud in the middle of the night and we'd go upstairs and he'd always say, don't turn on the lights uh, because one, uh, you become more light sensitive, but two, lights are used as a signal. If he was driving home and if it was kind of dark outside and he thought his parents were in bed, he'd always turn his headlights off before he pulled into the driveway because he didn't want to wake them up. So having those kind of additions, I really enjoyed how they do that. Even when the kingpin is talking to Echo, even though he raised her, he actually has an interpreter with him the whole time so he can speak with her. So I like the idea that she doesn't try to adapt who she is to the rest of the world. Of course, later on, there's a neat surprise with some technology, but I'll let you check that on your own. All the friends and family are played by First Nations actors from different parts of Canada and the US. Graham Green shows up, and as soon as I saw Graham, I was like, okay. I know he's someone who's very particular about the, the roles that he picks, uh, especially when it's portraying First Nations peoples. We have Cody Lightning, who's a First Nations actor from Edmonton. We have Tantu Cardinal. I had no idea who she was until I looked her up. One, she won the Order of Canada, and two, she started the Saskatchewan um, Native Theatre Company. In Saskatchewan! How did I not know about this person? They do a great job of representing the, 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 Choctaw, the, sorry, the Choctaw people and their culture. Um, at the end of the series, there's even an acknowledgement about how they worked with the Choctaw people and uh, their belief system and how they live. There's a huge powwow at the end, which has to be real because there's no way that Hollywood has all those costumes. And also it'd be very disrespectful to have just costumes based on it. Um, the soundtrack has um, a group called the Northern Cree doing jingle dances. A tribe called Red, now called Hallucination. Um, their songs are, are throughout. 
The Yeah Yeah Yeahs are on there, and there's one of my personal favorites, so that's really cool. I really enjoy the show. It follows one person in their life. There's, we're not defeating aliens. Uh, the whole world doesn't need to be saved. Uh, she just needs to save her own world. I really enjoyed it. Um, there's a whole bunch of secrets in there. I'll let you check it out. Again, they deviate a bit from her story, but to be honest, I, I quite liked it. I thought they did a really good job, and just means... Oh, and the fight scenes, because it's a Daredevil-type thing. Anyway, you get the idea. There you go. Echo, go check it out. It's great. I super enjoyed it. It's probably one of my favorite things I've watched in a long time. So there you go. That being said, go check it out, and I will talk to you soon, Saskatoon. Okay, some good stuff. I might have to check out Echo. I do like uh, I do like the cast in that one, and uh, Monster also sounds good. And of course, like we said before, gotta see True Detective. Hope to hear Hank back soon. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so does the dog die? Dot com. Now, this is an interesting tool because I can remember reading, I think it's in a short story by David Sedaris, Me uh, Talk Pretty One Day, maybe? Yeah, um, I can't remember the specific story, but it's about his sister, maybe Amy? Nope. Uh, who will not watch any film if there's a chance of her having to see like harm come to an animal. Yeah, it's not Amy, but it's one of his other like three sisters. And I thought that was kind of funny. But now there's a tool for this. This is amazing. Ricky Gervais made fun of this to, you know, pretty hilarious uh, results in his most recent uh, stand-up comedy feature, making fun of, like, you know, a society that needs this tool so that their entertainment is safe for them, is, like, a weak society. And, I mean, he, he has a point. Yeah. But since you've looked into this, like, I, I can see, for example, why somebody might have good reason not to want to see a film that has a horrific car accident or a child in peril or many, many other things that like you called triggers earlier on when we have so many zillions of choices of what we can spend our entertainment minutes on. That's true. Why would you want to spend it on something, you know, potentially upsetting? Well, and I would think it might be a good tool for parents too. Like if you have a child who is especially anxious about things or there's something specific that you really want to try to avoid, this would be a good tool for this. I did think that it was interesting that Anatomy of a Fall, which is a brilliant movie, but is does have those moments, also has 27 potentially triggering events in it. Yeah, but I can remember at least 24 of them. I mean, this is a this is a heavy <laughs> film about uh, a, a violent encounter, and there's a lot of mystery surrounding the encounter where. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot of feelings flying around. That's kind of what makes it such a great film. Now, we have joked in the past about the Netflix warning where, you know, you have all of the different, like, you know, nudity, yeah. Gore, smoking, smoking, substances. And... Or our favorite one in the... Thematic uh, elements. Yeah, the, in Wes Anderson's recent <laughs> shorts. We, we were warned that, you know, if we're not ready to handle thematic elements... And I thought maybe he... That, I think it's a spoof. That I think might, it's, yeah, he might have been using the, the, the tags or the, the warning tags as a joke somehow. Yes. If Anatomy of a Fall makes it to Netflix, it may have to have 27 different things. Well, I'm pretty sure I remember seeing people smoking in that movie. Smoking, drinking, there's yeah, violence of all kinds. So anyways, it's a great film. DoesTheDogDie.com is a good tool and uh, messy 
he's the winner. He's the winner. Oh, this! Now that I know that was not the result of some sort of... Well, they didn't say directly, but it sounded like it was training, not drugs. I mean, even even human actors sometimes put like a chemical in their eyes to make it look like they're crying or something like that. I thought at least they did something like that with this dog, but I mean, I guess nope. it was all just talent. It's got the dope chops, man. Yeah, yeah, just talent. Yeah. Well, that wraps up another episode for another week. You know where to find us here every Friday on CFCR 90.5 FM at 6 p.m. And in the meantime, keep your dukes up.